Hey everybody, Chris Harry with you on Chargers Weekly. A big episode this week. A bit later, I'll be joined by Nikki Javala of The Athletic. We're going to discuss the Denver Broncos draft and whether they've done enough this offseason to get back into AFC West contention. But first, we'll continue to learn more about this Chargers draft class through the eyes of their college head coaches. Texas Tech head coach Cliff Kingsbury and Northwestern head coach Pat Fitzgerald are on deck. But let's start with the head man in Morgantown, Dana Holgerson. He discusses his former defensive standout and current Chargers linebacker, Kaiser White. We're live from the future home of the Los Angeles Chargers. And my future home, I'm Derwin James, and I'm here with some of the members of the Chargers Youth Football League from L.A. and Orange County. Uh, without further ado, with the, with the 119th pick of the 2000 NFL Draft, the Los Angeles Chargers select Kaiser White, linebacker, West Virginia. Let's charge up. All right, the head coach of the West Virginia Mountaineers, Dana Holgerson, joins me on Chargers Weekly. And Dana, under your watch, 20 Mountaineers have been drafted the last six years. And I know that's a big deal for your program. What were your emotions when Kaiser was selected by the Chargers in the fourth? Oh, I was I was happy for him. Obviously, I mean, I'm excited about every one of the guys that have an opportunity to be able to play at the next level. He, 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 was, he was kind of a, a no-brainer, uh, so to speak, coming out of Lackawanna Junior College. He had lots of uh, lots of options. I was there was, at one point I thought I was going to lose him to your neighbor there at USC. Oh, really? In Southern California, but had a lot of opportunities, had a lot of options. We, we kind of had the fast track on him. Uh, just based on my relationship with his entire family and coaching Kevin White, his brother, a few years earlier, and Karan White as well. So, um, you know, I was thrilled for all of them. You know, they're, it's, it's a wonderful family. It's a great story and, and excited to watch him play for a long time. Coach Kaiser played the, the spur safety position at West Virginia. I don't know if you could explain to fans what that means and the various responsibilities that he had in your defense. Yeah, it's 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 more of an outside linebacker. You know, we're we're a, a kind of a unique defense, uh, three three stack defense. Uh, most of the odd front three down fronts that that the NFL is is putting out there are more three four fronts where they play with a where they play with a couple of outside linebackers. We like to get a few more guys in the box and play with more safety tops, uh, safety type bodies as outside linebackers. Uh, <clears throat> you know, our, our bandit position is more of a hash player that's behind uh, the linebackers. That was what Carl Joseph played for us a couple years ago as a first-round draft pick. And and uh, Kaiser uh, was more of a box player. He's more of a, a, a bigger kid. He's 220 pounds. He's, he's able to cover up tight ends. He's able to play people man coverage. So just based on his skill set, uh, fit us perfectly. So when he was announced as a linebacker, uh, I imagine that wasn't a big surprise to you. If you could describe his game and, and how you think it translates uh, to the NFL and Gus Bradley's defense, I think you named it. Physicality seems to be the word that best describes it. Yeah, he's a big kid now. He looks good, you know, just just in person. He's six two, two hundred and twenty pounds, and I, I think he could get he could get up to about two hundred and forty, forty five pounds if he really wanted to. Uh, had safety on his mind for quite some time, you know, and that's the position we needed him to play. Wouldn't have, I wouldn't have felt very comfortable with him being 240 pounds doing what we asked him to do. Sure. Uh, but uh, just naturally, uh, with, with what with, with what uh, he's going to be asked to do in the NFL, he's probably going to have to get just a little bit bigger, uh, become more of a box player. We did a lot of blitzing with him off the edge, uh, which which generally got him inside the box, involved in the run game, and. 
in past uh, past rushing situations. Uh, you know, just was a great player for us because he could do those things that I mentioned, which is uh, what he's going to have to do in the NFL. But then he had his skill set was good to where he could cover up some inside receivers as well. You know, we throw the term leader around a lot in football, but you know, I, I spoke to Jimbo Fisher about Derwin James, the the Chargers' first round pick, and Clay Helton about Uchenna Nuosu. And, and these guys are leaders. And it looks to me the Chargers made a concerted effort to bring in these physical players with, with leadership qualities. Describe uh, Kaiser's leadership ability. Yeah, that that's uh, that's the first thing that we that first box that we want to check is if uh, they're good kids and they're able to lead themselves and able to lead other people around them. I, I just I was fortunate to be able to know these guys, know him and his brother for a long time based on the relationship I had with Kevin White and and his his entire family as well. So I I saw them in high school. I saw them in junior college. I mean, heck, I saw them at the NFL draft a few years ago when Kevin was there, but. Uh, just had a great relationship, knew what we were getting. First box checked, leader, great kid, great family, great background. Uh, and it translated once he got here to WVU. Uh, really really a quiet guy. I mean, he's, he had talk on the field a little bit more, but just in passing and in general, he's a pretty quiet kid. Those guys generally don't take their leadership roles real quick until people see what kind of work ethic they got. And you know, the two years that he was here, uh, you know, had zero issues with him whatsoever, uh, led himself unbelievably, uh, socially was outstanding, academically was outstanding, got his degree from West Virginia. And, and at the end of the his two years, he was one of our four team captains that we named on this previous uh, season. You know, it, it's so rare for any college coach to coach brothers, yet alone three brothers, and, and that's what you did. I mean, Kevin was a top 10 pick in 2015. Of course, Kaiser's with the Chargers, and uh, Karan signed with the Seahawks. They all went to WVU. Uh, what was that experience like for you to coach three brothers? Yeah, it was pretty special. Uh, I, I probably had a tear in my eye there on senior night because that, that, that's it. I mean, the, <laughs> no more. They got a younger sister who's playing basketball at Auburn. I don't think she's going to line up at corner for me. But uh, <laughs> the family has assured me that there are cousins uh, that are coming and, and, and their last name's White and they're going to be good football players. So hopefully we'll, we'll get into a, a, a distant relative or, or two if we can just because it was so special and you develop a great relationship with, with, with players. But to have that kind of relationship with three of them in addition to their mother and father as well. Uh, is something that I always remember. Coach, what's your favorite on-field memory of Kaiser at West Virginia? A, a lot of big hits and a, and a lot of big games that he played in. Yeah, you know, I mean, there's so many of them. I mean, he was he was a routine play guy for sure. You know, that's what I liked about him more than anything is the consistency that he showed over two years. He he, uh, you know, he played in 25 games, started 25 games. That's that's just hard to duplicate. I think he had a minor injury towards the end of his junior year that he overcame very well, but uh, just did a whole bunch of things. He, you know, he, 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 he got interceptions. He, he was a sure tackler and then he got into the backfield with tackles for losses and sacks as well. Probably the one that stands out. And I think any of his teammates would say this is his junior year when he sacked a quarterback from Texas and took the ball from him as the guy was, 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 was going backwards towards the ground. So that, that was a pretty special event, and that helped seal the, seal the, the win at, at, at Texas. So um, if there's one, uh, it'd be it. But, again, the consistency that he showed throughout the course of his career was pretty special. Coach, we'll get you out of here on this. Your message for Kaiser and just advice for him as he gets ready 
for mini camp and training camp and obviously his first year in the National Football League? Oh, he don't need any. He's already heard me for two years. <laughs> he's good? <laughs> yeah, he's good, man. I'm t- he did everything I asked him to do for two years here. He accomplished everything that he possibly uh, could dream of here. I mean, he's an all-conference player. He's got his degree, and he's playing in the NFL. So you, those, those boxes for him are checked, and I can assure you he's ready to just get started. And, and you you got a quality young man and a tremendous leader with great work ethic and will play for a long time. Well, Coach, we appreciate you getting him ready for the Chargers. Uh, Can't thank you enough for your time today, and obviously wish you the best of luck in Morgantown uh, this year and beyond. Okay, sounds good. I appreciate you having me on. All right, Daddy, take care. Charge! Live from the future home of the Los Angeles Chargers, I am Robert Garrett, head football coach, Crenshaw High School, and the NFL 2017 Don Shula, High School Coach of the Year. I'm here with members from our 2017 4AA State Championship football team. With the 191 pick in the 2018 draft, the Los Angeles Chargers select Dalen Cantrell, wide receiver, Texas Tech. All right, here with the head coach of Texas Tech, Cliff Kingsbury on Chargers Weekly. And coach, has to feel good to see two of your guys land on the same team in L.A. And with, by the way, a former Red Raider as the head coach in Anthony Lynn. Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, those are two of my favorite all-time players when you're talking about work ethic and, and character and um, doing the right thing all the time and being great leaders for our program. So to see him go to such a great franchise and, and get able to work with Coach Lynn, who I've gotten to know and have always been a big fan of. Um, just a really good scenario for all parties involved and really excited to see how it all plays out. Well, let's start with the wide receiver, Dylan Cantrell. He was selected in the sixth round. And Cliff, this is a guy very steady over his last two seasons in college. Last year, caught 71 balls, 816 yards, eight total touchdowns. Tell us about Dylan's game. Yeah, Dylan is always going to be where he should be, do what he should do. He's more athletic than people think, and I think you look at his combine numbers and they were off the charts, and, and we've all known that, but I, I don't think the outside spectator would, would realize just how athletic he is until you see him in person and, and watch how quick he can move, how strong he is. So I think he brings a lot of things as a wideout. I think there's different things he could do as kind of an H-back. Uh, I think he could have a huge role in special teams, and um, I'm just a huge fan of the type of person he is. He's literally the guy that you would want your daughter to marry, that type of character, um, that type of work ethic, and, and uh, the Chargers really got, got a deal getting him in the sixth round coach of the strengths that you just mentioned which one do you think is going to benefit Dylan most right away on an NFL football field uh, I think you know his, his knowledge he's a guy who's going to work at it when they give him the playbook he's he's not going to leave the, the room he'll be studying that 24 hours a day seven days a week to make sure he knows exactly where he should be on every play do exactly what they ask him to do, how they ask him to do it. And in that league, that's a big part of it. So I think just him understanding the system, working at learning the system, and then being able to adjust to the coaching is going to carry him. You talk about the Chargers last year. They had the top passing attack in the NFL. A lot of talented pass catchers on this team right now. What do you think Dylan can pick up from guys like Hunter Henry and Keenan Allen that you think will help him his rookie season? Yeah, those guys are tremendous players. I think, you know, when you get to that league, just watching their work ethic, their preparation, the way they take care of their bodies, those are all done on such a different level than 
is done at the collegiate level. And I think Dylan would be one that um, he probably did it as much as any player I've ever seen at the college level. And he'll take that next step when he gets there as far as uh, learning how to be a pro. And, and the, like you said, they got a great quarterback who's done it for a lot of years who can help him on different techniques and where to be. And, and then they have great receivers to work with. Uh, the sky's really the limit for that young man. And, and he's going to bring a consistency and, and a uh, solid base to the Chargers that I think everybody's going to appreciate. Let's get to the quarterback, Nick Schimanek. He he sat behind now Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes in 2016. Uh, when it was his show in 2017, though, big numbers, nearly 4,000 yards passing, 33 touchdowns, just 10 picks. And he's a big kid, Coach, 6'3", 220. When did you realize that Nick had NFL ability? I think, you know, he was behind Davis Webb and, and Patrick Mahomes, and you'd watch those guys throw all three of them side by side, and you could tell he had the arm talent. Uh, it was just one of those deals where he had to wait his time. And when he had his opportunity, he played at a really high level. Um, was really impressed by the way he handled him this year. Had some ups and downs as a team, but, but he was consistent as a quarterback and uh, very, very sharp. Very, very hard worker, has tremendous arm talent, and and I think to go to a place with the Hall of Fame quarterback who kind of has that moxie and has had that toughness um, and to learn from him, it it couldn't have fallen any better for Nick. Well, Cliff, you know, you spent a season behind Tom Brady in 03, but that was early in in Brady's career. Nick's going to have that opportunity, like you said, to see how Phillip Rivers works in his 15th season in the league. How invaluable do you think that is for a young guy, especially since you just saw it last year with with your guy Mahomes sitting behind Alex Smith? Yeah, it's huge. I, I think... Alex did a tremendous job last year of, of you know, knowing, hey, this is probably going to be Pat's show here pretty quickly, but still mentoring him to the fullest ability, being um, there for him in and, and every which way. And, and that just shows a lot about his character and the type of young man he is. And by all accounts, um, you know, Rivers is the same way. So I think just Nick being in that meeting room with Philip and, and watching how he carries himself, how he prepares how he trains day in, day out is, is going to do wonders for Nick. Coach, what's that one quality that Nick has that you think will bode well for him early in his NFL career as he looks to latch on to the Chargers here this season? Yeah, he's fearless. You know, he's a guy who's going to cut it loose and go out there and play. He doesn't get nervous. He doesn't get flustered by the moment. He goes out there and cuts it loose. And super competitive, um, always wants to win, whether you're doing a drill or throwing it in a bucket or, or playing a game. And, and I think those two, two traits will, will serve him well at that next level. There's probably a lot of them, but you got to have a favorite memory last year of these guys hooking up for a big play or a big touchdown. Was there a game or a, or a play that stood out to you? Yeah, I think early on they, they had a, uh, a great kind of back shoulder throw against Arizona State that uh, helped us win that game. It was kind of a shootout and helped us close out that game. And they've thrown a bunch of balls together and and were really sharp down there in the red zone. And um, so that was kind of the back shoulder fade there to seal that game that, that I'll always remember. Coach, last thing for you, your message to these guys as they get started in L.A., we got mini camp coming up and obviously training camp a couple of months away. As they get started in their careers in the NFL, you got a message or, uh, or some advice for the guys? Uh, yeah, I, I talked about, to those guys about um, it's such a small window to establish yourself and, and try to get your foot in the door in that league and, and make sure that you focus it and then take advantage of it because you have the rest of your life to do whatever you want to do, go to the club, go to Vegas, do all those things. Um, but you have a very small 
window to really establish yourself in that league and build a career for yourself. So take advantage of the time you have. When you have a chance to study that playbook, study that playbook. When you should be watching film, be watching film, and, and make sure you have no regrets leaving, uh, leaving those training camps. Coach, great stuff. Uh, wish you the best of luck this season at Lubbock, and uh, really appreciate your time today. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate it, man. First down from the 20-yard line. Wildcats moving right to left. Roberts in motion. The give and accelerating and breaking free Jackson. 40, 45, 50. Look out, 40, far side, 30. 25, 20, 15, 10, 5. Dives to the pylon. Touchdown! 80 yards for Justin Jackson. That call was courtesy of WGN 720 AM, Justin Jackson, the all-time leading rusher in Northwestern history. And I had a chance to talk to his college head coach, Pat Fitzgerald. Coach, I have to imagine it was pretty special to hear Justin's name called last week, especially when you consider everything he's meant to the program over the last four years. Well, we were absolutely ecstatic for Justin. No question about that. A young man that you know, Illinois High School Player of the Year uh, comes here, and obviously the, the, the records speak for themselves and career touchdowns, yards, uh, not only here in Northwestern history, but also Big Ten history. And, uh, you know, then to fulfill his dream and his goal to, to have an opportunity to play in the National Football League for such a great organization, just uh, it just goes to show you hard work and perseverance pays off, and we couldn't be more happy for him. Well, you know, I want to dive a little bit deeper into his on-field accomplishments in a bit. But first, off the field, this is a guy who entered Northwestern with a 5.0 GPA in high school. I don't even know how you do that. He's highly intelligent, <laughs> academic, all Big Ten, and really a role model in your program. What are the Chargers getting in Justin Jackson, the man, Coach? Well, they're getting the, the full deal. I mean, he is everything. He's, he's a unicorn, to be quite honest with you. He's got the toughness. The durability, never missed a practice, never missed a game uh, in his career here on the field, off the field, you know, a double major, uh, incredibly engaged and involved in our campus and our campus community. Uh, a young man that was willing to give of himself uh, for the enjoyment uh, and the betterment of, of our community. Just a selfless young man that, uh, you know, I think once uh, he gets kind of entrenched and ingrained uh, with with everything uh, there in L.A. He'll, he'll become not a huge fan favorite. You'd agree, Coach. To have success in the NFL, the two main ingredients, really, durability and consistency. And Justin left Northwestern as the all-time leading rusher, as you mentioned, 5,440 yards, all-time leader in rushing attempts, all-purpose yards, touchdowns. And this was in the Big Ten, man. I mean, how does four years in that conference prepare you for the NFL? Well, it does perfectly. You know, he's had his, he's had to go from a guy that when he came into our program, um, it was, you know, his high school did just a terrific job preparing him for college from a standpoint of understanding, uh, you know, running plays. And he played corner. Uh, they, they got him the ball a lot of different ways on offense. Uh, but the one thing he did not not have to do a lot of was pass protection. Uh, so that was one thing that we had to get to work on right away. You know, most running backs, they don't, they don't see that in the bottom of their scholarship is you also have to protect. <laughs> sure, exactly. <laughs> you know, so, you know, he really embraced uh, and understood that. And I think that's probably something that may have jumped out to the coaching staff there is, yeah, it's one thing to have the toughness when you're running the ball and things of that nature, but it's when he didn't have the ball in his hands that uh, that he really improved while he was here. And, you know, I just think the sky's the limit. I really do believe his best football is ahead of him and, and, and look forward to watching this progress. And when players get drafted, too, you often think about fit. Uh, How important do you think it is for Justin to work with Anthony Lynn? You know, this is a guy who spent 14 years 
working specifically with NFL running backs before becoming a head coach with the Chargers? Well, what a great opportunity. You know, you get a chance to be around a, a, an expert in the field, someone that is going to obviously help him take the next step in his career. And I, I, what a huge vote of confidence for Justin to have someone like that draft him. You know, you got to sure. really look at the big picture from that standpoint. So, um, you know, he, I know Justin, he's going to come in with, with humility. He's going to come in with a terrific attitude and, and the work ethic that he'll he'll demonstrate. I think he'll be forever indebted to Coach Lynn and the staff and, and uh, in, in the whole organization. I think it's going to be one of those situations where you're going to get everything he's got. Coach, we have another Big Ten running back in Melvin Gordon that carries the load for the Chargers, a guy you coached against. But that doesn't mean Justin can't make an immediate impact. What of Justin's strengths do you think we'll see right away? And how do you think he can affect the game, not only on first, second, third down, but also special teams? Well, J.J. was a guy that, uh, you know, for us was our bell cow from just about the day he got into our program. He won the job as a true freshman. Um, But he he was really humble about the way that he he went about his his business and his craft. And the legacy he's going to leave here is that of of how he really impacted and and helped the younger running backs that are in our program and, and just the teammate that he was. So I think he'll pick that up. Uh, you know, kind of where he left off here. I think he'll he'll be completely respectful, uh, obviously, of a great player. We we tried to tackle Melvin here when he was in, in the Big Ten, and we didn't do a very good job. <laughs> I don't, it. Not, so, not many programs did, uh, Coach. <laughs> yeah, no, so there's a long line of, of, of us that, that did that, and I'm, I'm sure that Big Ten tie will, will probably be an instant kind of comfort level for those two guys. But I think J.J.'s just going to go in there and try to compete. He'll take on any role. The neat thing about him, you know, he he didn't start any of our special teams because he was our you know main like I said bell cow running back. Sure. But he sat in every special teams meeting for four years. And about halfway through his sophomore year, I'm like, JJ, what are you doing sitting in the meetings? He's like, Coach, I'm going to have to make it in the NFL on special teams. I need to know what the L5 means or the fullback means or what they do on kickoff return or things of that nature. That's and great. you want to talk about a guy who's humble? I mean. You know, unbelievable that type of work ethic when he could have been sitting in the locker room for five extra minutes or, you know, putzing around with the other guys. You know, here's a guy that was in there trying to learn it, learn the game, how to be prepared for the next level. So he'll, he'll be ready to rock and roll and compete in the kick game, no doubt. When you have 44 starts in college, I imagine there are countless on-field memories that you have of Justin, Coach. If you could, which one stands out among the rest over his four years in Evanston? Well, there's so many, you know, two big highlights are probably his MVP of the Music City Bowl, MVP of the Pinstripe Bowl, um, you know, just really basically single-handedly dominated both of those games against, I think, two pretty darn good defenses in, in Kentucky and Pitt. Uh, but, you know, he, he, pardon the pun, but ran away with those MVP uh, <laughs> awards in both those games. Uh, but, you know, there was probably a play this year against Iowa that's pretty much sums up his career. He caught a, um, you know, crossing rod out of the backfield and had a run through a tackle, make a guy miss and, and fight for extra yards and got it all the way down to the one uh, to help us beat Iowa in overtime. I, I think that play is pretty indicative of, of, of who Justin Jackson is as a competitor. It has the ability to make you miss, had the burst to get, get down to another position where he had a run through a tackle and, and uh, just had the will to, just about get himself into the, into the end zone, but ended up about a half a yard short. Coach, last thing for me, you've sent a lot of guys to the league. What would your advice be to Justin? What's your message for Justin as he gets ready for mini camp and training camp and his first season in the NFL? 
Well, I would say that Justin has been a, a pro mentality since he walked into our program. So I would tell him just to continue to be him, you know, find a veteran that, uh, that he can learn from and emulate uh, that, uh, that is uh, obviously having the career that Justin aspires to have, you know, continue to have the humility, but that just the competitive drive and fire that he's had in our program and just go compete and, and uh, you know, fulfill your goal. And, and that's to be a, an NFL football player and to get drafted is one thing, uh, but to make the roster be a contributor and help that team win a division championship and get itself to the Super Bowl is another. So the good news is he doesn't really have to change a whole lot. He just needs to go out and be Justin Jackson. Well, Coach, we're, we're thrilled to have him, and uh, I wish you great success. You've done amazing things in your 12 seasons in Evanston and uh, hoping for even bigger in year 13. Well, I, I appreciate it, and uh, we, we wish you guys and, and Justin the best of luck and uh, all of our Cat fans in Southern California. Go Cats. Thanks a lot. So the Los Angeles Chargers schedule is out, and boy, it's nice to finally know how we'll be spending our Sundays this fall. How many Charger games did you make last year, Matt? I made 20. Four preseason games and 16 regular season games last year. Which are you circling for this season? This season, I'll circle the Niners and Cardinals as they play the NFC West. And let's not forget about those rivalry games, P. You seriously don't want to miss this. Visit FightForLA.com or call 877-CHARGERS to share Matt's experience. Season tickets on sale now. All right, Nikki Jabala joins me on Chargers Weekly. Nikki, formerly of the Denver Post, now covers the Broncos for The Athletic. Nikki, congrats on the new role. How you doing? I'm good, and thank you. It's, you know, it's an exciting time for The Athletic. Its growth really has been incredible. What are you most looking forward to in this new role? Um, a lot of things, actually. I think just the opportunity to seek out the stories that maybe I wouldn't have, you know, been able to do just because of the constraints with newspapers and whatnot. Um, there's a lot more freedom and a lot more emphasis on um, experimentation and creativity. So really looking forward to that. So far, it's been awesome. Can't wait to, to dig into your coverage of this upcoming season. I want to get into this Broncos draft, Nikki, because they're being praised universally for what they did. How important do you think it was for the Broncos to really nail this draft Especially when you look at last year, they had eight players that they selected. Garrett Bowles was the only player to start in games and actually make an impact. Yeah, I, this was a huge draft for them. Um, last year, as you said, there was only one player that started and combined the rookie class, played only 53 games. There were three players on injured reserve. So they really didn't get much out of that rookie class. In fact, they, they might have gotten um, more problems and solutions um so they, they really needed to nail this draft they needed to get the starting quarterback for one and then they really needed to bolster the rest of the roster with with guys they feel comfortable with guys they feel can contribute immediately and they believe they got that i'm i'm a firm believer that draft grades are kind of useless until maybe a, a year or two down the road to see how these guys perform but on paper um it looks like they got guys who can not only come in and contribute immediately, but also have a, a proven record of of leadership. Um, be it you know being a captain in college or scholarships for for some type of leadership, and that was really important to them. Um, you know, coming out the last two years, Elway had mentioned quite often that he felt he didn't um, have the right leadership in place to help the team bounce back from those from those hard times. And they had a lot of hard times last season. So 
he feels confident uh, about the 10 players he got this year. Yeah, it looks like they got some impact players starting at number five overall with Bradley Chubb. You pair him with Von Miller. Nikki, was this a surprise to the team that Chubb was still on the board at number five? Because I think a lot of people thought maybe New York at two, maybe Cleveland at four. Uh, I don't think many people had him going past the Browns. It was a total surprise. Um, after they got him, Melway told us that you know they had done a ton of mock drafts in the days leading up to the draft, and not one of them included Bradley Chubb being available at number five. So it was a total surprise. And they, they in fact, had a plan in place to trade back with Buffalo and a pretty great trade offer at that. And they mixed that immediately once uh, Cleveland took Denzel Ward at number four. Um, LA, as you know, he loves his pass rushers. So um, he felt this was an opportunity too good to pass up. Um, and I would imagine, you know, he'll quickly earn a starting role. After they did that, they, they just declined the option, the fifth year option on Shane Ray. Um, you could kind of see the writing on the wall at that one. So, um, it, it looks like they're going forward with, with Chubb and Von Miller. And if you look at the success they had with DeMarcus Ware and Von Miller, it makes sense that they would try to, um, get something as close to that as possible. Now, you mentioned it. They declined Shane Ray's fifth-year option. But at the same time this year, uh-huh. you get three pass rushers to the quarterback yeah. with Ray. Cause yeah, Shaq Barrett. Did yeah, I mention Shaq, Shaq Barrett? Barrett yeah. yeah, exactly. So with Shane Ray, what do you think his thoughts are going into this year? Do you think there is still a role for him on this team beyond 2018? Possibly. I mean, he's really got to show out this year. I mean, he can still earn an extension. I mean, just because he – they declined the fifth year. I know it's kind of viewed as, oh, we don't want you. We don't think you're good enough. But uh, that's not necessarily the case. I mean, you have to look at uh, – you have to put it into context. That was a hefty figure for um, a linebacker. I think yeah. it was uh, $9.3 million. That's a lot of money. And you, you look at how much that group alone will count against the cap. It was, For that year, it would be too much. Uh, and then you have to consider that Shaq Baird is going to become an unrestricted free agent next year too. So – they have options. I do think Shane Ray has a has a chance to still earn a contract here. I mean, if he shows out this year, he could be uh, too good to let go, just as Bradley Chubb was too good to pass up in the draft. So um, it's certainly not over for Shane Ray. And, you know, if they decide to part ways, I, he's a player in his prime at a prime position in the league. So he'll be, he'll be wanted and he'll get, you know, a longer term contract one year sooner. Um, you know, by not getting that six-year option picked up. Yeah, and he'll be motivated, obviously, too, going into yeah. to a contract year. Uh, Nikki, second round, Broncos selected Cortland Sutton, wide receiver from SMU. They followed it up in the fourth by getting Deshaun Hamilton, who is a great route runner from Penn State. Uh, he got rave reviews at the Senior Bowl. And I thought this was interesting mm-hmm. because, you know, three of these first four picks, Chubb is an addition to a position of strength, and so is wide receiver. Uh, What do these moves tell you about the futures of Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders? Are they in the long-term plans, or are these guys, Cortland Sutton and and Deshaun Hamilton, going to take their jobs here in a couple of years? Well, a couple things. I I think receiver was actually pretty lacking going into this draft. We knew they had to get somebody because even though they had these two veterans coming back, um, they still have no you know, true number three receiver. Um, Carlos Henderson didn't play at all last year. I said McKenzie, um, you know, had so many fumbles. It was just ridiculous. They had no clear number three receiver. So they had to bring somebody in to get that at least. They also need help in the slot. 
Um, and they, they could use either of these guys in the slot. Um, but yes, as far as Demarius and Emmanuel, uh, they're both in their thirties and this is next year's, uh, is the last year on, on both of their contracts and it's not guaranteed. So read between the lines there. I mean, they, they bring in a big bodied receiver kind of similar to Demarius. They, they declare he has the potential to become the number one receiver. Then they bring in Deshaun Hamilton, who they were really impressed by at the senior bowl. They coached him on the North team. Um, and, and you can kind of see where this is going. Um, you know, you've been around LA. You know, you know his his plan every offseason is to get guys for this season, but also to kind of think a few years down the road. And that's clearly what they're doing with these two. Now we'll we'll have to see if they can perform at the level they need to sure. finally um, to actually part with Demarius and Emmanuel. Because you know, even though those two may not have lived up to expectations over the last couple of years, you have to consider that they've played with like six different quarterbacks. You know, three different coordinators, two head coaches. So, um, again, you have to put that into context. So, these two have to give the Broncos um, enough confidence to move on from those veterans. But they are there um, to eventually supplant those guys. Um, it happens at every position to everybody in the league. You know, they're going to bring in younger talent at some point, um, and this might be the time for DT and Emmanuel. Yeah, and it's it's just more weapons for for Keenum in 2018 and beyond. Yeah. And then you look at the third round, Royce Freeman from Oregon. And this is a Southern California kid, actually. Uh, we know Devontae Booker still there. Uh, without C.J. Anderson in the mix, do you think Freeman's going to be given that shot to be the bell cow? He has a he has a good chance. Um, you know, I, I think they probably want to give Devontae Booker every opportunity since they've already invested him for the last three years. Um, I think on paper he moves up to number one on the depth chart. Um, they had high hopes for him. I, I think injuries over the last couple of years have held him back. He had that injury um, in college that he was recovering from in his rookie season. Um, and then he had the wrist injury uh, early in, in training camp last year that delayed his start. So I, I think they want to give him a fair shot there. But absolutely, I mean, Royce Freeman, you know, he, he could be, um, I don't want to say sleeper, but he could be probably one of the most, productive guys in, among this uh, draft class. I mean, we saw what he did at Oregon. He had 947 carries, which is kind of insane. I think it gives some people um, some pause about, uh, you know, is this going to affect his future in the pros? But at the same time, it, it says that he's durable um, and, and he's not afraid to handle a, a bigger workload. He's not afraid of contact. And, you know, that, you know, the LA likes that clearly. So he has a, he has a great chance. I think um, I also think Philip Lindsay, who was signed immediately after the draft as a college free agent, um, I think he has a chance to make it on this on this team. He, you know, was a second all-time leading rusher at CU. Um, I know he wanted to be drafted and kind of held out hope that he would in the seventh round. But the Broncos got him immediately as a college free agent. I think he has a real shot to to get on as um, as a running back, but also a key special teamer. So I, I think the one guy in that running backs room um, that should be a little concerned about the competition is probably D'Angelo Henderson mm-hmm. um, drafted last year. Didn't see much time for whatever reason. And now they have an influx of talent that he's going to be facing and fighting for time for. You know, Nikki, one of the things that I noticed, obviously you get these weapons for Keenum, um, they didn't do much to address the offensive line in the draft. And I know that was kind of a concern last year. Do you think, 
they think it's figured out, and you know, you get a mo- more of a mobile quarterback back there with Case Keenum. He can maybe escape. He's that escapability. Uh, or do you think they need to do a little bit more during this last wave of free agency? Well, I don't. I don't know if there's anybody available really to really bolster it more than it is. Um, it's certainly not perfect. I, I think they they wanted to address the tackle spot. I mean, they're going to keep Garrett Bowles on the left side. They talked about moving uh, Ron Leary from uh, right guard to left guard. Matt Paradis is back at center. And then to address the right tackle spot, which has been a sieve like for years yeah. now, um, they traded for Jared Veldier, um, You know, which on paper kind of seems like more of the same of what they've done over the past years is they, they get these veterans who are not, not stars, really, and they've had kind of a, a – lengthy injury history but they hope that the experience wins out um and he can hold down that spot so jared builder will go in as a starter at right tackle um like watson will probably be a swing guy and then they're probably going to have a competition for that open guard spot i would expect Connor mcgovern um a new guy they drafted sam jones i would expect them all to compete billy turner too um, they're going to have a competition there. And, you know, the line was improved year over year. And I think they believe that you know, with a you know, more experienced quarterback behind them, a better run game, um, that overall the offense can improve. This offense is going to look really different. I mean, I'm looking at the tight end position, too. Yeah. The Broncos drafted uh, Troy Fumagalli from Wisconsin. Now you have two Big Ten tight ends on the roster. A lot of people forget yeah. about Jake Butt drafting him last year, kind of a red shirt year for him. What do you expect at the tight end position? Because Virgil Green, former Bronco, now with the Chargers. Yeah, yeah it's going to be interesting. I kind of thought they would try to add a veteran there um, in free agency, but I guess the market was so slim that they just didn't really feel like it was worth it so it's kind of crazy that jeff hireman is a veteran in that room now yeah. um so they got jeff hireman jake butt um troy from and austin trailer who came in and well did pretty well in his limited time so um i know jake butt is eager to get back I, and i think he if he can stay healthy um and he believes he can but you know it's always a crap shoot in the nfl if he can stay healthy, I think he could be a real weapon for them. Um, you know, since Julius Thomas left way back in 2015, they, they've lacked that, you know, real red zone threat. And he has a chance to provide that. Um, I'm, I'm a little uncertain about the future of Jeff Hireman. I just don't think he's had the production, um, nor the uh, clean bill of health to warrant keeping him beyond the season. Um, but we'll see. Um, and we'll see what Troy Fumagalli can do. Um, they need help at tight end. They've, they've lacked at that position for many years now, even in Gary Kubiak's offense, which stresses um, or emphasizes the play of their tight end. So um, hopefully they can get a little, more, little bit more production out of those guys this year. The defensive side of the ball, we talked about Bradley Chubb. Aqib Tlaib uh-huh. obviously departs um, in a trade. He's in L.A. now. Isaac uh-huh. Yidem from Boston College. Yeah. I don't know if he's a former teammate of Justin Simmons or not, but but this looks to be the guy that yes. is going to replace Aqib Tlaib here. He can play press coverage, kind of a hand-to-glove fit for what Joe Woods likes to do. He has a, he has a chance to buy for the third quarterback job. Um, remember, they signed Tremaine Brock to a one-year deal shortly after, or a couple months after, um, uh, trading away Aqib Tlaib. So, he seems like the guy that has the edge right now just because of being a veteran um, to play that nickel corner spot. Yeah. Um, 
but Isaac Yadam, he'll come in and he'll certainly compete. And, you know, as a draft pick, they certainly want him to come in and prove himself. I mean, he fits the mold of what they like in corners, that long, um, yeah, that long type. He can, he's a special teams. I mean, he's an immediate contributor there, which will help him get on the field. Um, and then they also have Brendan Langley, who was drafted last year. So they got a few guys who have a chance to compete for that third corner spot. Um, but I don't, I don't know that you can ever replace Akeem Talib. I know Bradley Roby is ready, and I think he is ready too. Um, and I think him pairing with Chris Harris will be just fine. Um, but I think when you lose a, a player of that caliber, it's just, it's just going to be different. Yeah. Um, I, I believe their thinking though is, you know, you improve the pass rush. Um, it's going to help the secondary too. So if they can clean up some of the things they had last year, they should be just fine out there. Josie Jules, another interesting player who is highly productive yeah. at Iowa. What do they see in, in Josie Jewell and how he fits in this defense? Well, he's another one where I think they, they view him as, uh, special teams contributor for now, but he has a promising future at inside linebacker. Um, you know, you always have to wonder 